The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. And welcome to a special edition of The Wizard Files, the podcast where we go behind the scenes with people who appeared in Wizard Magazine, and today's guest is no exception. This time around, we are lucky to be joined by a spectacular individual who had an amazing journey portraying Marvel's most iconic hero in costume across decades at events worldwide, a job which surely taught this wall crawler that with great power comes great publicity <laughs> we're excited to welcome to our web of nostalgia jerry colpitz how you doing jerry i am thrilled right down in my web slinging toes <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic and i'm so excited because you came to us for this interview through steven sapelis co-host and now writer director of ufo club how you doing steven i'm doing quite well i'm very excited to be here with you and jerry especially jerry <laughs> So I want to hear real quick, just for you, Stephen, because you told me this a couple months ago. You're like, by the way, I'm working with the guy who was actually Spider-Man. <laughs> like, how did that come across to you on set? So I'd seen Ken Frank, who produced UFO Club. He made a movie called Family Obligations, which Jerry was in. And we were trying to cast this role, kind of this central figure in UFO Club. And I was th I was thinking about Jerry and I, and I asked about him. And Ken is not like a nerd like us. He does not kind of care about this kind of stuff, but he told me, oh yeah, Jerry was the original Spider-Man. And I was like, whoa, you buried the lead here <laughs> and like, tell me more. So, you know, I, I was thrilled to get to work with Jerry on UFO Club and on set, we had a little bit of time, you know, we were rushing, it's a indie movie. So I had a, like a little bit of time to ask him about the Spider-Man stuff. So I am so thrilled to be able to talk to Tim even more about it tonight. And so, Jerry, to provide a bit more just clarity to the audience, can you explain exactly what your job was working for Marvel and the time frame in which you were doing so? Sure. Uh, in, in 1978, I'd been in New York a couple of years, you know, struggling actor and doing off-off-Broadway shows and things like that. And, uh, and a notice came up in the backstage, which uh, lists uh, casting notices, you know, for, for showbiz. And uh, Marvel Comics had posted, for their fledgling personal appearance program, had posted a notice looking for superhero types, whatever that is. But I stuffed my headshot resume, sent it off to marketing at Marvel Comics, which was headquartered uh, on 56th and Madison Avenue in New York City. And I got a call in and uh, had an interview and an audition. And uh, they asked me to stick around and try on this uh, this new Spider-Man costume. Whoa. Uh, in hand. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, Amazing. I, I knew Spider-Man. You know, I'd, re I'd read comic books when I was a kid. And uh, I wasn't a, at all, a, you know, a collector or a fan. So I knew the characters. And so... They asked me to try on the costume and improvise talking to kids. And I, I had heard Disney characters didn't speak. They were mute. So, oh, they want me to, they want Spider-Man to speak. Okay. So I went in and put the costume on and felt, honestly, felt the magic of the webs as I was putting it on. You know, you could fit this thing into a coffee can for crying out loud. <laughs> Literally, I put the thing on and, and once I pulled it over my head, yet like putting the head into a sock, and I looked in the mirror and uh, looking back at me was the amazing Spider-Man and I and I I could feel the power 
of being, first of all, being completely hidden. Masks help a lot because nobody knows who you are. Sort of just improvised and let the character perform. They just said, you're going to work out fine, Jer. Um, when can you start? Wow. And I quit my job. <laughs> and, uh, in fact, I've got all of my schedule books, but what, 1,423 days total going to work in the webs. Uh, wow. I was going to uh, say, Tom <laughs> Holland, Toby McGuire, and Andrew Garfield got nothing on Jerry. <laughs> really? So anyway, it was, uh, it was a heck of a career. Just after 9-11 was my final appearance, in fact. So, okay. And we'll, and we'll get to that in a bit here. But, I, you know, you mentioned the Disney characters. And so you and I are a little bit simpatico here. I, I shared that with you. I, too, was a, a corporate costume character for several tell years. Me, I, tell I, me. I played here. Goofy and many, many other icons at Disneyland for several oh, years. Yeah. I'm I was part of the opening yeah. crew at uh, California Adventure, that theme park. And yeah, fond uh, so memories or very uh, fond. I actually yeah. did a whole 12 part podcast series called the Two Goofs Podcast, recounting all because my best friend and I worked there together. He was actually there oh. longer than I was, and it was amazing. Just but yeah, like you say, being in the costume, inhabiting the character, and just making those experiences for people. Just the, the character comes out, especially when you're an aspiring actor. You have it in you already, right? Already, <laughs> really. Yeah, but there was something special about putting this thing on. I swear, it, it really emanates from the uh, costume. I swear. Now, we're going to get into your experiences specifically, but you know, we're not going to bury the lead here, Jerry. You once spent the night at Todd McFarland's house. Yeah. So, how did that <laughs> yeah. situation come about? That's what our audience initially wants to hear for sure. He had, he had the number one comic book out of uh, you know his new design with all the enormous webs and everything mm-hmm. on, on the cover, and the eyes were remarkably uh, expressive and different than just the slits that Spidey'd been living with. And my first costume actually was the slits, you know, for a few mm-hmm. years. But when he put that comic book out, People Magazine did an article about him, the new star artist and writer of, of Marvel Comics. And so they sent me to Vancouver for a photo shoot with Tom McFarland. There happened to be some some hockey tournament in Vancouver, uh, some a bunch of sporting events, and they couldn't get me a hotel room. So Todd and his wife, God, what's her name? He's still married to her. Wanda. Wanda, yeah. So just come, we got a new house. Come on, and stay with us. And he had his table downstairs in the basement. And uh, I got a chance to witness him working for about an hour. And wow. You know, wow. Like, one, of those, one of those pinch yourself, Jer. <laughs> it was just astonishing to watch this guy. They were so gracious, you know, loads of Canadian bacon in the morning for breakfast. <laughs> and Todd was uh, obviously an eccentric kind of guy but I liked him immediately and he was very open with me and his, his wife was lovely and gracious and what an experience so, I was going to say we're going to have to track yeah. down that issue of People Magazine we already traffic in old periodicals so yeah, we'll find that one I've tried to find it I can't find it but, but okay uh, I'll let you know <laughs> you know he was a celebrity in town so we went around to various places in the city the picture that they used in the magazine actually was uh, on that shoot but everywhere we went crowds of people would just recognize him and, and flood the guy and, and show up, you know, and he, and he loved being in the spotlight. This guy loved being, obviously, <laughs> you know, you have to, but, uh, you know, he's such a, he's such a megastar forever, really, it seems. But this was uh, a big deal for him at the time for People Magazine. It's an international fame for Todd McFarlane and his wife. So. Well, let's go back to your pursuit of uh, fame and, and artistic integrity here, Jerry. So what kind of roles were you booking as you were pursuing this career as an actor prior to getting the spider? 
Spider-Man gig? You know, I was a cute kid and I, I got screen tested for a couple of soap operas. Actually, I was a, a regular, I wasn't a contract player, but I was like uh, one of the doctors on all my children. So anytime they had, you know, a hospital scene, I'd come in and usually deliver information. But I did have lunch <laughs> with Meg Ryan a couple of times. Hey. Meg Ryan oh. was, was starring and she was maybe 19, I think, when, when I was doing it. And uh, I never met any actor, actress that she could cry on cue real <laughs> weeping tears you know which she used constantly in the in the soap opera that's amazing yeah so it was fun to do that and my grandmother could sit home and watch me on tv you know oh there he is <laughs> so you know it was, it watching was her stories there's my jerry <laughs> there <he> is, yeah. <laughs> now as you got the role though i'm going to assume you started reading some of those comics so you had a point of reference then oh, yeah. for what was yeah. going on so what what type of research what were some of the things you started to learn that you incorporated into your interactions with you know what i understood pretty quickly and embraced you know the troubled kid that peter parker is and i think to his personality changed when with the superpowers and everything but actually to to figure out how to actually move in the thing and poses and so i i studied the comic book every panel and i'd find when he wasn't uh, airborne or fighting his arch enemies he was always you know spider senses tingling always alert always you know ready for action but he had specific poses in the comic books and I tried to emulate those actually. I practice in the mirror and so I went literally while I was being a human being with these children, uh, often children, I'd strike a pose. I'd loved going into the center of a room, well lit, find my lighting and everything before anyone knew I was there and just freeze. And the response I always got was is he real? Is he <laughs> a statue? And so much fun till the whole room is looking at you and you know, you're the immediate center of attention anywhere you go wearing the amazing Spider-Man costume. I love that picture. We use this for promotions. Yeah, I'd sign down here. So well, let me ask you about that, Jerry, here, because uh, we actually had a comic book store owner who had a comic book shop in the 90s who told us that one time somebody came in, tried to sell him a Spider-Man comic as a high price collectible because he said, this is signed by the real (laughs) Spider-Man. And he was trying to tell me, he's like, well, you know, that's 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 an actor they've hired to be in a costume, but it's the real Spider-Man that Marvel hired. And so he was like, he's like, you're going to regret this, not buying this from me. So. Was there a protocol for autographs? Did you have anything extra you would add into the signature? Oh, usually there was a line of 200 people, like in the grand opening, uh, you know, the second largest shopping mall grand opening uh, in South Carolina. I was at one time and there were literally thousands of people and they had a Polaroid camera set up and they were charging five bucks a pop. And this is back in the, you know, 70s, 80s. So that's that's good money back then. So it was really a matter of often, what's your name, you know? Oh, Peter, I like that name. Okay. (laughs) It was usually your pal, Spidey, and I drew a quick spider. And that was my, that was Spidey's autograph. So That's awesome. Yeah, I, I used to do that That's a lot great. as Goofy. And then I would add the little hat on the G, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. Totally feel you. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was going to ask, is, was there a protocol for the mask? Were you like, you know, like at Disney, they're not allowed to take off the heads, obviously. Were you not allowed to take off your Spider-Man mask at public they, appearances? They were just starting this thing. And w- when I first got the job and 
there weren't many rules, you know, there really weren't. In fact, they handed me the costume and, a, you know, a travel expense uh, check and I was on my way and this thing is in like my, my carry on, you know, and I, well, what was the occasion for your first uh, appearance? Yeah. After the, the initial audition, she said, you've got, it was the, the mall opening in, uh, in South Carolina. I'd never flown before. I never, never an airplane before. And all wow. of a sudden they're zooming me off as Spider-Man to these events. And uh, I remember looking out the, the, the window down on, you know, midtown Manhattan and just going, my God, they're paying me for this. You know? <laughs> uh, this is like a job. But it was the grand opening of, I think it was Highlands Mall, second largest in the uh, in the state of South Carolina. It was huge. And they were giving away a car as a grand opening prize. So they had thousands of people show up. And plus, you know, driving into the, this 30-foot billboard and come meet the real Marvel. And I'm, I'm wow. like, well, I've never done this before. And I'm going, well, what have I gotten myself into here? You know, so it was all improvised. And again, the power of wearing this costume, brilliant costume. Her name was Betty Vickery Smith, who designed, uh, you know, and manufactured Broadway costumes for Broadway shows. And so they, and she came up with this thing and it, it really was a masterpiece. You now, know? Now I, have, I have a question about the costume because like you, you mentioned the early days you had a much thinner eye slit there yeah. as as to what evolved. We also had a question from a guest who was on the show recently who said he met Spider-Man at a mall in Canada. He and his friends got a photo, but in his recollection, Spider-Man had a belt on like the television Spider-Man. Did you ever have a belt that went outside the costume in your appearances as Spider-Man? That must have been an imposter. Don't tell me. <laughs> the Canadian yeah. knockoff. Yeah. <laughs> but what changes oh, in the wow. costume do you recall? Wow, yeah, just the detail on that. I'll tell you yeah. something. It was it was merely the eyes, Todd McFarlane eyes, but er everything changed to this design after that, which helped because I could see better out of this. You get a vague idea. And it was like, really, honestly, these events were like watching a movie where everybody's reacting to the camera. Hmm. So it was very disembodied in a way, this disembodied feel of these crowds. So I did the Macy's Day Parade, I think, eight times in New York. Yeah, I want to talk about that because we have a lot of listeners who I know are huge fans. That was for a lot of people, like the first time they were seeing like all these Marvel characters together right. on a float. And of course, Spider-Man had the balloon dedicated. What, what do you recall about those Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, you just pray that the weather is going to be OK all week long. You're praying that because this thing is it is important. <laughs> uh, and I wear nothing under it except a dance belt which is another story but, uh, <laughs> astonishing the first one i was in um carl lewis world's fastest human who had just won the uh he was on top of the marble float so i was up there perched next to the world's fastest human being my gosh and uh riding down broadway and we had the other characters there too, but to be the center of that much attention, I swear, I think Spider-Man was the best known individual in the entire parade year after year. You know, Santa Claus, of course. But, you know. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm getting excited. I, I love Santa it's such a wonderful part of my life, as it, I'm sure uh, the Disney experience was for you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is so precious and yeah, so few people get to experience what it means to the people that you get to spend that time with. Can 
I just oh. talk about this Macy's parade? Oh, let's do it. Steve. I've yeah. talked about this. You know, I think <laughs> I think I talked to Jerry about it, but that 1988 Macy's parade was a huge deal for me as a kid. Huh. I taped it and I made every single member of my family watch the Marvel segment because I was so excited <clears throat> to see those characters in live action. And that was my Spider-Man. I was I was thrilled. I mean, you know, my grandparents probably couldn't have cared less, but yeah. I made them sit through the entire segment. Just to see all those characters. Yeah. Were you? Did you especially love Spider-Man as, as a Marvel character? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I think I've told this story in the podcast before, but one of my earliest memories, if not my earliest memory, is sitting on my couch in Queens watching Spider-Man and his amazing friends when Stan Lee was hosting it. Mm -hmm. And it must have been like 1983. So it was about two and a half. Uh And, you know, (laughs) Spider-Man, Hulk, those characters are just like burned in my brain from childhood. There's a power to that. I mean, that costume and and obviously what you did with it as well, because people knew these characters and you couldn't fool a kid. A kid knows what Spider-Man should look like and how Spider-Man should move. Just like the way they know, like, you know, when you go to a mall and you see a crappy Santa Claus... (laughs) A kid's like, that's yeah. not Santa. No. But no. like the way you embodied the character, like just from my memories of childhood was just, that was Spider-Man. That's what I saw in the cartoons and the comic right. books. Yeah. You know, with great power comes great responsibilities. And I felt really, I took the job very seriously. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that's the thing to have somebody in there that really understood what it meant to people. Cause it could, yeah, it could have been any actor who just looked good in the suit and it could have just been another gig. And they used it was, guys, no, right? it means something. They did use other guys. Um, oh Yeah. Yeah, okay. there were other guys in it that they used um, often for, you know, the other characters. You know, they had this amazing Hulk costume that was a big styrofoam thing. And uh-huh. yeah. they had the thing and they had, uh, you know, a, a Captain America, you know, muscle suit with, but but like incredible looking. Uh, didn't really look like the, the comic book, but <laughs> all these costumes. And they were making a lot of money at it because, you know, what they did, people would call in and say, you know, yeah, I want I want Spider-Man to be my, uh, you know, at my toy store opening. And it was no small change. They do fundraisers, you know, they, they'd sell cookies or crying out loud to afford <laughs> to get me there. So I felt really uh, very responsible for Aunt May <laughs> would be proud of them selling cookies. You know, it just feels <laughs> like very homegrown yeah, <laughs> fundraising. <laughs> but what was your relationship like with Stan Lee? Because obviously so often he has to be in a publicity situation and they want Spider-Man, his greatest creation, right next to him. He loved having Spidey with him because it drew attention to himself, you know, wherever <laughs> I, you know, you're the center of attention when you're Spider-Man. But to have Stan next to you and I'd immediately turn it back to, oh my gosh, it's it's Stan Lee, you know. Um, so we did, uh, we worked together quite a lot, actually. I was, when Marvel went public on on Wall Street in the stock exchange, you know, they had me come down from the balcony uh, and down. We had been there the night before and I'd rehearsed it and I knew how to get down this wall. And uh, so it was a very spectacular entrance once once the bell rang and I bought the first, you know, hundred shares and all. So Spidey did. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, amazing. But Stan was certainly there for that. When we would try and open up new markets, interesting the first time I was in Japan, a company called Show Pro was doing a collaboration with Marvel. And uh, so they had Spider-Man come to their shareholders meeting. It was a big company. And Stan was there and Terry Stewart, who was the, the president of the company, he went yeah. on to uh, the president of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was the head up 
for many years in Cleveland. But that, he went from Marvel to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, actually. Anyway, he was there, you know, just working with Stan at these events was always, I don't know how many times I had to remind him to zip up his fly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, his head was going a mile a minute, obviously, whenever I was with him. We were stuck in a ta- the back of a taxi cab in, in Tokyo, I remember. And I had two hours alone with Stan Lee and just to be around that energy and that creative mind for two solid hours was I, I love the guy to death in fact he called me one night out of the blue uh before you know before he died uh, he had a friend bartending at a bar that he used to he and his buddies used to go to and uh my friend said you remember you know jerry colpitz you remember him uh, he uh he's a good friend of mine he said well give him a call my friend called uh, hello jerry and i went oh my god stan lee <laughs> oh wow and he said, yeah, how you been? And, uh, you know, we uh, we talked for a little bit. My girlfriend couldn't believe that I got a phone call from Stanley. You know? Oh, that's, that's so cool. Awesome. Wow. So amazing. You know, he's the kind of guy, he's everybody's best friend when you're with him. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, you can forget your name. But but again, overly enthusiastic, <laughs> you know, incredible self-promoter, but a brilliant, you know, a genius at the same time. Yeah, we, we've actually, in Wizard, they reported on that meeting you were at in Japan. Like, I know there's like a photo of you, like with a bowl and some chopsticks, like yes. at the luncheon. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, that is in Wizard. Yeah. Yeah, we see that. But uh, what, you know, speaking of these faraway trips, like what do you, what was the farthest you had to travel what what do you recall about an experience that was truly you know beyond anywhere you had been before they brought me in on a prop plane to an eskimo village in alaska what and it was not accessible by road but the kids up there loved Spider-Man, certainly, and loved comic books. And uh, this was inaccessible, but they would get shipments. And uh, these kids, and this was so remote, it was unbelievable. But this was more, uh, again, a publicity sort of, look where this superhero is going now. So I, uh, I I went there. Sao Paulo, Brazil, huge comic book community. Uh, in, yeah, in- I, I used to live in Sao Paulo, actually. And they, okay. loved, they loved their comics. It's probably my favorite was all over Europe, but but was going to Italy. Lomorano, they'd come running. Lomorano, you know, <laughs> crowds of, of people. And uh, there were conventions there that I would visit. I was there three, four times. Wow. I, I just have so many stories. That, that's what I was saying. What, what would you say that is the most bizarre experience at such an event? Like where you're just like, is this, is this what I'm doing? <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. And this really locked me into, you know, a lot of the big events was this picture. I was sitting on the bus, cross down bus on 34th Street, Manhattan, right? When I get back from this thing. And on the front page, slow news day, I guess. But on the front page of the New York Times, there's Spidey hugging Reagan, you know? <laughs> wow. And that kind of locked me into, you know, we want that guy. So Marvel really took a liking to this publicity, you know, front page of the Times. Can't believe can, that. Can, can, can you tell us more about that meeting between you and Ronald Reagan? And I believe you, you told me that Nancy Reagan was there as well. Yeah, I have a picture somewhere here. I've got so many pictures. But uh, yeah, Nancy Reagan. And this tells the story here of the times we live in. But they, they let me put my arms around her, put my hands on her head, you know, <laughs> and uh, and take photographs, you know, imagine getting that close to. Well, I was going to say, you sent us another one with you and Suzanne Summers, right? Yeah, the very yeah, similar yeah. pose. Yeah. That's <laughs> her, uh, you know, me too moment with Spider-Man. Uh, I, I was going to say, did she give you a free thigh master afterwards? She's like, thanks, Spidey, work on, work on those thighs. <laughs> 
these days, um, I can use it. yeah. <laughs> now, um, also, let, let's talk a little bit more about the '80s era that you, because that that was a big boom. Marvel was really pushing a lot of cartoons, you know, toy lines, things like that. And I so, was so lucky to be there then. Yeah, yeah. And so during that time, you were the star of the Spider-Man and Mary Jane wedding event yes. that was taking yeah, place at Shea yeah. Stadium, June fifth, nineteen eighty-seven. What do you recall most about that media coverage and the day of the ceremony itself? It was the most incredible experience. First of all, uh, it was at Shea Stadium where the New York Mets play, you know, and it was uh, the year after they had won the pennant. So so when they booked this event, the wedding on home plate, on a big heart plate, like 15 minutes before the baseball game, it was supposed to be just another mid-season game. It was happened to be the night that Dwight Gooden came back from drug rehab. For the oh, so oh wow it was totally sold out you know you couldn't get a ticket but uh the place was totally sold out enormous game for the for the mets and they brought mary jane they hired a actually a, just a gorgeous model look i think she wore a red wig both my tails my tux and, and her gown was designed by infamous willy wear you know fashion magazines even highlighted this stuff so it just showed up everywhere well, but, yeah, well, everywhere. one thing i wanted to ask you jerry because during that you know part of the promotion you were on good morning america with stan <laughs> the Mary Jane model being interviewed and that interviewer really was tossing you some hardball questions. I know. I know. So talking to Mary Jane he's like aren't you worried isn't this going to be a dangerous life for you now that you're married to Spider-Man and he kept calling you Peter Parker you know yeah. he's like outing you in front of the Whoa. whole world. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that well. And Stan was there too. Yeah, and then and, the uh, airplane kept flying over, and yeah, Stan's right. like commenting uh, uh, on it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen the tape. It's a good one. It is. You know, it's funny. They totally pumped this thing up, and that's the thing. At the time, you know, during the eighties, Marvel had a heck of a budget, you know, for marketing and for these events. So, I mean, that that float going down Broadway. All this money was being poured into this, the comic book. They were growing. And this is before the movies, you know? I retired before the- The Tobey Maguire movie. movie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I was lucky to, uh, it was just a couple couple months after I had hung up the webs, and I was invited to a preview screening of the first Spider-Man movie, and all of the artists and designers, writers and editors, and uh, all the, you know, it was what a, what a team of Marvel people were at this thing, and, and I sat there, you know, and who is this guy, you know, they, they only do me in Spider-Man, but it was just a real honor, and I was just so amazed that they could do this thing, I was skeptical that they could make a movie out of this it knocked me out and it did everybody in the room was like on their feet applauding so. yeah and it certainly it wasn't the first time marvel was trying to get a movie made so in the 80s you know canon films had gotten the rights and they were you know kind of known for making schlocky movies and yeah that's a fantastic four movie I, yeah, yeah. captain america so during that time you know you're an actor was there ever any consideration did you ever hear anything about like well we need a live action spider-man i'm a live action spider-man who's an actor but doing it for years did you ever were you ever considered for that project in my dreams <laughs> in my dreams though no, i was the personal appearance guy okay and only that although i did a lot of television they'd have me perch in the background of things you know occasionally i'd get trips like that but no i was uh, i was used pretty much strictly as, as the personal appearance guy but i did talk shows too yeah that's what i was gonna ask are there any other particular experiences on tv that stand out to you i think you we worked with al roker a couple times right yeah yeah al loved marvel comics one that comes to mind we were down uh, in boca raton they had a international museum of cartoon art 
at their grand opening. So they had me appear up on the top of the building. You know, it's it's not a funk, unfortunately. So many artists were retired around the Boca area. And so they put their funds together and opened this fabulous museum of, of cartoon art. They had some great stuff in there. And Al was there. The, another, an NBC thing I have a question about. There, there was something I came across. There was this thing called the, the Yummy Awards. It was ice cream themed and they were basically promoting the Saturday morning cartoons. This is the era of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And there's Firestar and Iceman. They come out onto the stage and Spidey is trying to get in the whole time, but he can't get into the ceremony. And then he comes swinging in and he accepts the award. But it was voiced by the guy who did the voice on the cartoon. Who actually, I actually just met him at a convention recently. But I was curious, was that you for that particular appearance to your knowledge? You know, I heard about that. They used one of the other actors that they had for that. Oh, okay. But I was on the road constantly. And so when they had an event come up like this where I was booked, I got I got most of the really great corporate stuff, actually. They did have two or three others. I think you may have uh, somebody who uh, is a member of your podcast group. His name was Stephen Veratis. And uh, I'd heard that maybe he was, he, he may be watching tonight. So if he is, oh. hey, Steve. Yeah, He's a fan, huh? <laughs> So what kind of gigs were you booking outside of Spider-Man appearances during uh, this time then? Some film work. You're an actor in New York, so you uh, kind of say yes to everything. You know, it did put a hold and people were going, Jerry, what are you doing? You know, I mean, are you an actor? Or Well, yeah, this is acting, isn't it? You know, but it did pull me away from really go- going at this career like an actor does, where you're just mm-hmm. constantly auditioning and everything. I was working, so no regrets. And there's nothing I would rather do than, you know, fly off to Rio and put the webs on. So I, I just feel nothing but blessed about it at all, really. Yeah, um, and obviously we have a particular focus on this podcast. So I think it's time we start talking to you a little bit about the photo shoots and publicity you were involved in with Wizard Magazine in the oh. 90s, because you were actually profiled in an interview with a secret identity. You didn't reveal your name in Wizard issue number 93, where Jim McLaughlin was talking to you. He went around with you for a day to these appearances and things like that. So what do you recall about Wizard Magazine and them giving you that opportunity? Just that they, especially McLaughlin, he, he and I certainly hit it off. And Jim, what a, what a character he is in himself but he was just really excited you know about the idea of somebody making a living doing this and you know being (laughs) spider-man 150 days a year and he really caught the magic of the situation and uh we developed a friendship um and so did a number of things for wizard a lot of photo shoots yeah that's what i was gonna say because like for about a year after that interview with you you just appear in the magazine over and over again especially like spider-man movie news you're the live action (laughs) spider-man posed that they put there and stuff so yeah. yeah Yeah, it was always a fun day. You know, who wouldn't want to be Spider-Man? Yeah, well, and then you're in the hub of comic book fandom and geekery with Wizard Magazine. Like they were the hardcore guys writing about it. So Right, sure. And I know a lot of letters to the editor were like going off. I want to ask you too, because in that interview, particularly you mentioned, it seemed as though Marvel was encouraging you to beef up more and more. Like you seem to be like a pretty muscle 
muscular Spider-Man where he in the comics, obviously, is a little more lean. So what was your workout regimen to stay in shape like that? I'll tell you something. I, I lived in the gym. I really did. I, I, I got to the gym and part of my routine every morning when I was on the road or doing an event was to do four sets of 50 push-ups and just get pumped. I was a runner. And at the time I was living up uh, around Central Park. So the reservoir there was two and a half miles around. I do a couple of laps. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I stayed in primo shape. Yeah. So I'm curious for you too. Did you ever get to do any personal appearances for like family and close friends? Did they let you ever do something where you could show up at a birthday or you could do something you do like for a local group that you were affiliated with or anything like that? I'd been doing it a couple of years and uh, my best friend, Margo, her, her, her friend, Mary had a son on his fourth birthday, asked Margo anyway, that your friend Jerry could show up at his birthday party. And I was like, God, I'm just coming back for like four days at a busy event down in Florida. And so I said, Cheryl, come and sit. Oh man. Uh, His father had a grand idea having me come in from, from the fire escape. It was the coldest night of the year. So it was on the ninth floor of this apartment building. He said, oh, I'll leave wow. the, the window propped open, uh, you know, and uh, we'll all come in. At a certain time, I'll all come into his bedroom. And you just come in and open the window and get in there. And I get up to it. It's freezing. Talk about major shrinkage, you know. It's not <laughs> but I look in and this, this kid, four years old, just turned four, is like alone in his bedroom playing with his Spider-Man birthday toys. And I'm like... And where are the parents and where's everybody? And I said, screw it. I'm, I'm catching my desk. So I knocked on the window and the kid turned around and never seen anything like this. He turned absolutely white. And I'm going, oh boy, this is not good. But I opened the window, reached in and grabbed onto what turned out to be a steaming radiator. Oh. And I pitched forward and grabbed onto what turned out to be a rocking chair. And I just come tumbling into this poor kid's room, you know, <laughs> flat on my back, looking up this kid, at this kid looking like a Edward Munch's The Scream. For God's sake, this is a look on his face. And then his mother and father came running in and dad grabbed me and threw me out. And I, it was a full 10 seconds before, Timmy, Timmy, are you all right? Before I hear this howl coming out of the poor kid. I mean, it raised the roof. <laughs> I'm on the hallway waiting for the elevator. I can still him howling through the poor kid. I'm sure this was, you know, so, so, so many years ago. I'm sure that he's had many years of <laughs> therapy. Uh, I mean, it wasn't your idea, though. You know, it's not your fault. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, I'm also curious, you know, obviously conventions would have been a very big deal for you going to comic book conventions. Is there any particular convention memory that you have of something big that was done or just something that meant a lot to you? For about six years in a row, they did this annual annual shoe show in Las Vegas at the Hilton in Las Vegas, this international shoe show where all the top designers and everything were displaying their stuff in this vast convention hall. And I was, I was there about six years in a row. So going to Vegas year after year after year, I knew what I was getting into. I'm not a gambler. And you know, you step off the elevator and it's like you're stepping into a pinball sheet. So, but there was steady work. I, I knew I could count on that week, you know, of, of being at the shoe show. Well, Tom, what does Spidey do at the shoe show? I was at the, the Tom McCann area booth thing. They put out a line of Spidey sneakers. Uh, the beauty of having the Amazing Spider-Man at your booth is it just, just draws all kinds of attention. And we were also giving away, giving away souvenirs, pins. And it just works so well is because everybody knows Spider-Man and loves Spider-Man. And there's the real guy who's doing it. And, you know, I think a lot of uh, my success in the uh, in the costume was the way I related to people. Speaking of which, so 
obviously, yeah, you had to have a lot of interactions. Is there one in particular for you that just stands out, whether it was emotional or funny or just, uh, you know, unforgettable? I was very blessed, I guess, fortunate. Marvel Comics, they teamed up with the National Committee for Prevention of Child Abuse, and they published a comic book, What to Do If It's Happening to You you know, and hopefully empower the readers. When they presented that to me, I, I couldn't believe it, actually. Spider-Man as Peter Parker when he was a kid. Peter Parker was, was sexually abused as a kid wow. by an older boy named Skip, who he thought was his friend. And, and I'm reading this comic book, and I'm like, oh, my God. They went ahead and published it. And this is, again, they did a lot of daring stuff like this, you know, when I was there. Pam Rutt was the head of marketing then, and she just was really my angel in terms of using me. She liked what I did with the character. For six or seven years, I was touring elementary schools uh, all over the country. Spider-Man getting up, winning them over first, picking up the, uh, the sourest looking teacher and giving her a hug. And so, you know, <laughs> finding the, you know, the kid with the, with the scruffiest who badly needs a haircut and a bath and uh, picking him out in a crowd of 300 children, finding that one kid who is probably doesn't get along so well with everybody, but uh, and, and go ahead and pick him up in front of his entire school and making him the hero for the day. And, That's so kind. You know, and so he's the star for the day, you know, and, that, and before taking the stage. And I'm here for a serious reason. I, I want to talk to you about uh, something that uh, is not easy to talk about, but important that you know about it in case it happens to you. By the time you've broken the ice in the crowd, they are all ears. So for Marvel to allow that out there. So it was all for good. And it went... Yeah. And it went for many, many years. I was out there doing it. It's important work. Yeah. They brought me into children's psychiatric hospitals because the program was so effective. And, you know, here are kids who uh, were in a psychiatric hospital having been, weren't talking. And so they brought me in. This happened a couple of times. Anyway, and I sit in on, once you break the ice with these scared children to trust you and talk about, again, what I did in the elementary schools and, and talk about how, how important it is to, to disclose to, to my aunt and uncle Ben to get the help I needed. You know, if it's, it's happened to you, you got to tell somebody. You can't keep it a secret. So anyway, relating one-on-one -on -one to these children, I remember getting back to the hotel home and I got a phone call from one of the doctors and he was in tears. Just, oh, wow. to, just wanted to let me know that this one kid that for months had, had just refused to talk and Spider-Man told me to tell you about. I feel like I make a difference, but none of this would have happened without the webs. So Yeah, I mean, that that's so great that you were able to do that. You say none of this would have happened without the webs, but, but as I said earlier, a kid can see right through something that they don't believe in, and you made them believe that they were talking to Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and that, that's really powerful. And, you know, that's every kid's hero. It was, and they trust him. I, I swear the power is in the webs. It really is. It, you put this thing on and, and just trust that the improvisation with this thing on, the personality emerges. But the, you mentioned uh, 2001 was that final appearance. So what was the final appearance like? It was my choice to hang up the webs. When kids start hollering at you, suck it in, Spider-Man. You realize, <laughs> you know, maybe it's time. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Marvel at the time was going through a lot of changes. And actually, personal appearances weren't coming out of the Marvel offices. The last few months I was there, and there was an agency that was uh, handling it. And, and I suddenly had lost my cachet, you know. I was like, you know, I'm another actor, you know. But it was time anyway. So. Yeah, no, that, and that makes sense. And obviously, I mean, that is a full career that lifetime of being in the costume and, and affecting so many things and, and representing the character so well that so many of the people listening right now really I'm sure just cherish those times they got to see you performing so that's so wonderful. Yeah, you know, that's what I experienced throughout my 
23 years in this costume. I, I just couldn't say no. I just, you know, I, I really, I love doing it so much. Every event, I would put the costume on, look in the mirror and say, oh boy, I get to be Spider-Man again today. Every day that I did this, uh, that was my mantra. Oh boy, I get to be Spider-Man again today. And it just fills you up with energy, there's so much love and uh, uh, adoration coming at you and everything. And the weird thing is, you may find this at Disney too. You take the costume off and you're back to the out of work actor on the street. You know? Exactly. <laughs> you're just, you're just a schlub. You're just the guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. so I believe in masks, you know, I believe in superheroes actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so as we close out here though, again, you and Steven uh, recently collaborated as well as with our co-host Michael on UFO club. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you just tell us, because we've been teasing that on the podcast the last little bit. What was that experience like working on that film? Oh, it was just a, it was I was only on one day and I was the UFO expert who visited the high school where the UFO club actually exists. <laughs> so I uh, I was the guy who had made his his name for himself as being really the the top UFO expert in the world visiting this UFO club. And I'll tell you this, Stephen, I told friends about this, where we're taking a lunch break and I'm looking at, it seems so beautifully cast because I felt like I was with stars of the future. Oh, that's, that's so nice to hear. No, beautiful kids. They all have interesting characters. All the actors that they had there, and they're all young, you know, right out of high school. So I'm, I'd be very surprised if some of them don't turn into the next Brad Pitt. So beautiful, <laughs> beautiful cast. That's I'm, great to hear. We, we got lucky. We, we have a very talented cast. Yeah. top to bottom on this thing and it's yeah. uh i can't wait to, for everyone to see it yeah. yeah but it was it was so much fun it was a treat well jerry we thank you so much for joining us for sharing just this glimpse into your experiences as spider-man we hope that you know as you're collecting your memories you're sorting those photos that all of those things come together to uh, create that book that you're dreaming of because i'm sure a lot of us out there would love to read and hear even more as they come along so just in case we have any uh, literary agents and otherwise that might be able to help you fund that or get that going. Uh, where can people get a hold of you? Yeah, I like the word advance. You know, I did. <laughs> well, you know, through you, I guess. Okay. Best. You have my contact. With you. That's right. We so sure contact do. Wizards and we will put you in touch with Jerry if this is something serious that you're able to get done. Because yeah, that's a, a whole lot of fun to be had. And that does it for our interview with Jerry Colpitz, the actual Spider-Man. Oh, he's such a nice guy. Such a good heart. It's just wonderful to hear that the man in the costume was really trying to embody all those ideals that we respect and love about Spider-Man. Wondering also, how many of you out there were actually able to interact with Jerry? Do you guys remember meeting Spider-Man at a shopping mall? At a shoe convention? Did you get pictures? We want to hear about it, so contact us on social media, at Wizards Comics on Twitter, at Wizards underscore comics on Instagram. If you want to shoot us a personal story, you can send it to Wizards Comics comicspod at gmail.com also the place you can send any information if you are wanting to get jerry that book deal come on we want to hear all the stories give him an incentive to collect them all put them together he's got so many photos that we will be sharing on social media he's been gracious enough to share with us those pieces of his photograph collection from all those 23 years in the costume so take a look for that on our social media of course we have more editions of the wizard files on the way we hope that you will look forward to that but for now we're closing the files
This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.